travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode number 56, Asia Then and Now. The only thing that stays the same is that things are constantly changing, and that's nowhere more true than in rapidly developing Asia. I have found out that change can be bad if rapid popularity with tourism causes an area to develop rapidly without planning, which often results in negative environmental and cultural consequences. At the same time, change can be good and can benefit a local population. Today we're going to talk about several different locations that we've known and visited for many years that have changed dramatically, sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad, but always changing and evolving. I'm Trevor Ranges. Welcome to this episode. As usual, I'm here with Scott Coates, but this hey. week we're here in person. Yeah, we're in Bangkok sitting together in our apartment and uh, you have provided a couple tasty beer and we're doing as it should be, I guess. So... Yeah, it's good to be together, and this was a good idea for a show. You know, uh, I mean, everywhere changes, right? Every single place changes. Some places get smaller, many in Asia get bigger. Um, and I kind of remember my mom telling me when I was a kid, you can never go back somewhere. Like, if you really liked somewhere, you can never go back because it won't be the same. And, yeah, I think she's right. And But because things change doesn't mean they're, they're worse or they're not as good. And I think we naturally kind of cling to the idea that, the first time was the best or before everyone got there it was better so yeah it can be a, a good end yeah you should have been here yesterday you should have been here man yeah. everything was free you know but it, it it's true and it's not true i don't know many places that i once loved have quote unquote jumped the shark you yeah. know and you know it's locals and then outsiders rush in to cash in on a place's popularity and the physical and spiritual value of the place kind of decreases as hordes of tourists de descend on a certain area. Um, but that's not necessarily always the case. And some places get better with time just because, you know, responsible locals or government officials or, mm. or people that care about a destination want it to get better. Yeah, you know, and, and sometimes places develop and they're overdeveloped and it ruins it. Other times depending what your reason for going, maybe now they have nicer hotels so you can actually take your family there or more families could feel comfortable going there. Sometimes they actually preserve historical sites better because more tourists are coming and spending more money, which gives an outlet to actually refurbish or protect buildings and things. So I don't think there's a right or a wrong here, but we just kind of wanted to, you know, as you mentioned, talk about a few places where it's changed and it changed the experience. Yeah, and, and the only thing that is for certain is that things change fast. Yeah. You know, especially here in Asia, it's a developing region. Um, when I was living in Bali a few years ago, I came back to Bangkok for like a week or two. Mm. And when I got back to Bali, there was like a brand new surf shop on the corner near my house. One of the restaurants I hung out at, at the beach had built like a balcony. Like in a week, I was like, how does this happen so fast? <laughs> yeah. Or like you go to Khao San Road. I haven't been to Khao San Road in six, eight months I probably. Went, oh, really? I hadn't gone in years and I went last week. Oh, it changes all the time. Like every single time you visit, there's something new. It's probably... If you hadn't been there in a while, it's 
Yeah, yeah. It, it changes. It, it changes for sure. Well, we got to uh, tip a hat to the sponsor who never changes, only for the better. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, an app called Greg's Bangkok. And he has, I think, three tours you can buy from Greg's Bangkok. And there'll be a link on our website. So we're not going to tell you the address because we want to force you to go to talktravelagent.com. And there you will get the link. And these are really good audio tours. Greg's a great guy. He's lived here like 13, 14 years. And he wrote some tours and you just kind of like put your iPod in or your, your mobile device. You can follow a map and see where you're on it. And he walks you through super cool neighborhoods. And one of the cool things about his app, too, and, and just his experience um, and just the nature of the areas is that they do change. Mm. And there's history everywhere. You yeah. know, So like when you're walking around a neighborhood with Greg's Bangkok app, he's going to talk about like the history of a location and how it's changed and evolved and, and yeah. why certain areas are special. Yeah. So thanks, Greg, for... Uh, Throwing an old quarter in the uh, podcast machine, <laughs> yeah. making it go on. So, Trevor, I, you kind of fleshed this one out, and I think your idea was pretty cool, is that we're just going to each of us take turns bringing up places that we've been to at least a couple times and maybe thinking back to the earliest time and the latest time and and just chat about it. So uh, why don't you uh, kick it off? Yeah, you know, the, the idea for this came about, we were just going to talk about some cool places we like to visit or places yeah. we go often. And uh, I was thinking about Koh Samui. And Samui is one of the most famous islands in Thailand. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, I met a guy who opened the first hotel where the central hotel is on Chuang Beach now. Yeah. Wow. And he was talking about, oh, you know, you should have been there back then when there was no road, just a, a walking path through the coconut field. Really? Was that stuff. like 30 plus years ago? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Because wow. I, I went in 1996. Huh. And in 1996, uh, Chuang Beach still wasn't a paved road running You're along. Me. Like, in 96? In 96, there was a little stretch of it that might have been paved. But I just remember, like, the potholes filled with water wow. and stuff like that. That's hard and, to believe. And I stayed in Charlie's Huts, uh, which is like, you know, there used to be, like, the old school bungalows on the beach that yeah, were, yeah, like, yeah. 6 $8 a and night the, to, yeah, to yeah, stay yeah, in Chuang Beach. Yeah. yeah, that's sweet. Um, and I went back to Samui at least once a year for 10 years after that. Really? And gradually started spending more time on Kok Pangan and Kok Tao. Um, and, and kind of was turned off a little bit about how Samui was developing and Chowang was developing and, and Pangan and Kok Tao were like, the, you know, the cooler places to go. But then like, that's a whole nother episode to talk about Kok Tao because I, I, I don't really like going back there anymore because that place has developed too much. But two years ago, I spent a whole month on Samui uh -huh. and, and I totally fell in love with it again. Really? Yeah, I stayed uh, with a Cambodian friend of mine who was living in Mainam, which is on the north shore of the island. Right, okay. And, uh, you know, rent is really cheap on Samui. Like, she had this cute little bungalow, and, and it was so cheap. It was like 8,000 baht a month or something like really? that. Really? Maybe even less, yeah? That's crazy. And then, because there's a lot of local people that live around there, there's great street food, like cheap Thai food. You know, like, if you eat on the beach in a tourist area... The, the markups are like crazy. Right? Yeah, it's insane. But because there's lots of Thai people and like Cambodian people or, or local people, there's great cheap street food for like Thai people at Thai people prices. Um, but then in Mainam, there's like this amazing Japanese restaurant. There's a great German restaurant because there's a Japanese expat community. There's a German expat oh, really? community. Yeah. Huh. Um, and then they have a really, they have, there's like a Chinese temple there. They have a night market. Like Mainam was, was really quite charming. Sweet. Um, and then every day I drove a motorbike down to the southern end of Lamai Beach. Uh -huh. And I, I went for like a 20, 30 minute swim. And the water there is still like, it's so beautiful. Like the water off Samui is just so clean and nice. Oh, 
Oh, really? And then, like, when you want to go out and party, you can go into Chowang, which is the big popular area. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's on vacation, and there's all these bars, and, and it's really fun. So, like, Samui has changed a lot over the years, but, like, it's still awesome. That's great, man. That's a great experience. I won't double up on your efforts there because I've been a couple times. My impression has been different and not quite as good. But, well, that's that's awesome. So you actually you fell in love with it again. That's yeah, because I had, like, written it off for a while. I was like, ah, Samui, you know, like, I, you mm. know, it's just so developed and stuff. But it's a fairly big island. And, you know, the, the tourism is somewhat concentrated in certain areas. Yeah. Um, the cool thing is just that there's still a sizable population of Thai people. And, like I was saying, there's, there's restaurants that cater to them. There's yeah. housing that caters to them and like you know if you can live like a Thai or you want to eat like a Thai um, it's still like an awesome place to go whereas let's say like Koh Tao is so small and, mm. and it's predominantly tourists and and so my like I, I'm just turned off by it I don't know that I could ever go back huh. yeah I think I first went to Samui for a few days at the end of a year trip I did as a backpacker and I was there for a few nights and that's probably like Gosh, that's got to be like 94 or 93. And mm. I don't really remember it much then. And I've been a couple times past that. But then I went with my parents a few years ago and I was on the North Shore uh, near the area near the Fisherman's Village. And I was really ticked off, man. Like, yeah. you want to go to the next beach in a taxi and it's it's like 400 baht it's a total ripoff and the food was expensive everywhere that, and like i agree i think if you go as a tourist i think it can be kind of a ripoff or it can be kind of annoying but if you go as a local or you, you yeah. rent a motorbike you, you know like but i get your point because it is also a sizable enough island that you can find real local spots then again maybe you've come for a world-class resort experience and they have those and then you would yeah. like it would be an incredible experience too so it is still big enough an island that i acknowledge where i was and maybe why my last experience is a bit tainted mm. i could have probably just as easily gone 20 minutes down the road and found something that was perfect for me too yeah yeah well that's um, a good one man yeah so i still like recommend some movie like i, I prefer it to phuket just because it's easier to get around um the, the water is beautiful like yeah i don't know it's it's a, it's the movie's still a great place yeah, well, I'm going to stay in Thailand for mine, and mine is uh, Ao Nang in the province of Gabi, down on the southwest coast. So this uh, is kind of one of the southern Moor provinces, south of Phuket. It's famous for kind of limestone mountains that come up and islands that are limestone that come right out of the sea. So Gabi is actually a province, and sometimes people confuse that because areas like Riley Bay, that are like a mecca of rock climbing, are in that province. The islands of Gopi Pi um, that are offshore, they film the beach on those islands. Those are in Gabi. So often people went, oh, I went to Gabi, not realizing it's a province. But Aonang is kind of a beach area that serves as the jumping off point for both of those places. And I first went there in 2000, like early 2000. Um, you know, there was the stretch of restaurants and shops along the main beach. But it was all kind of family-owned hotels. I don't think there were any big chains. Yeah, Aonang in 2000, I, like there was no real sidewalk per se. No, there wasn't really no, a sidewalk. Yeah. No, yeah, it was uh, no sidewalks. It was charming. Like, you could tell it was up and coming. It was only going to get busier. Yeah. But, God, I loved it because, yeah, you take a boat 10 minutes one way and you're at Riley Bay. Like, mm -hmm. which, when you see that, that's as nice as anywhere in the world. You go a couple hours and Kot PP is there. You can go to Kalanta in the south. But Aonang, to me, has a couple beaches along Aonang Beach area that are really nice. And it's so easy to go other places. But it was very simple and kind of low to mid-range and then i would go there a couple times a year and things they slowly start growing right the word gets out um i used to love these muslim women were selling fried and roast chicken with spicy barbecue mm. sauce down by the beach and in the last few years like they're not any there anymore because mm. i think they've stopped people selling 
food on the road. Seems yeah. like a small point. And like, so each year it's got busier and busier. Hotels are a bit more expensive. Even tiny, tiny like little malls. There's a Ritz Carlton north of Aonang. Um, I would say, well, it's still beautiful, and I'll probably still go back for for a long weekend trip sometime when someone's like, "Hey, a couple of us are going down because we can get out in a sea kayak. You can go to a few islands in the day. You can have a few good meals. It's it's good, but." You know, the food was a serious disappointment last time I was down there. Mm. Like, I found most restaurants were just crap tourist food. I mean, you really had to work and ask around to know where to get, like, true-tasting Thai food. Yeah. So, in some ways, it's not what it was. We're going to keep saying that. But it's still what I recommend a visitor that hasn't been to Thailand to go down to Ao Nang. I definitely would. Yeah, I don't know. Again, like, Riley, Riley Beach, Krabi... Um, has long been one of my favorite places in Thailand. I used to go there at least once, maybe twice a year. Um, I held out at the Riley Beach Club as kind of like an oasis as, yeah, as yeah, development sure grew up all around it. But it has developed so fast. And, you know, the water, like like PP Island, like we talk about like overdevelopment. Uh-huh. Um, like PP Island was developed too much probably before the tsunami Um, The tsunami pretty much destroyed everything on that island, and I held out hope that they would develop it better afterwards. But but that's the kind of place, and and Riley area as well, where they didn't develop sewerage infrastructure to handle. And and like the water, like if you tested that water, like it it really grosses me out. You know, I don't know. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a beautiful place. It's a fun place, but... I don't know that I could ever... I, I certainly won't ever go back to PP Island, I don't think. And, and Riley Beach, like, I don't know if I could do it again. Really? Because you are Mr. Riley. I know. I love it. But I, I, I don't know that I could do it again. I would be too sad. Really? Yeah. Huh. Well, yeah. I mean, it's... it's. I guess the larger area really still holds appeal to me. But, hey. Yeah, I mean, Krabi, But, you know, I mean, there's there's up-and-coming areas. Like, if we talk... Go back and listen to Asia's Somewhat Secret Beaches. And we yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, some yeah. of the, the, yeah. the areas of Thailand that haven't developed yet. Sure. And, and I'd say go there. The other thing, though, is, is good is everyone has a certain level of travel experience and background mm. and benchmarks and things. So, I, I, I still think, like, hey, like, couples or families, like, it's still a world-class beach area, right? It's mm. just... Maybe there's things then and now for us that aren't the same, but I still think it's yeah. worth people going. And the next one you're going to hit is like a prime example of this to many extents, yeah? Yeah, I don't know. This one's really interesting because this, like, all right, so we're going to talk about Angkor, the Angkor temples in, in Cambodia. In Siem Reap area. In, in Siem Reap. Yeah. Siem Reap in Angkor in Cambodia, which Scott and I both have spent a lot of time at. Um, my first trip was 2001. Uh, when did you wow. first go? I think I maybe went around. 2006 or five or somewhere around there all right well i mean you know early 2000s was when tourism first started to to happen because there was the war and the Khmer rouge and yeah and all of that even into the 90s yeah even (laughs) even by 2001 like going out to like k wasn't safe to do because, no 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 yeah, yeah, my right. mind serious thing there were still yeah. KR Band, banditos and yeah stuff I like think that. someone people got bandit. kidnapped off the train in like yeah, 2000 got, yeah, or something sure. right like, um, yeah. so you know and even CM Reap like the town was basically like a, a one horse town quote unquote yeah. you know there was Pub Street there was Angkor Wat yeah um uh, but there was only, you know, a, a handful of restaurants and nightlife. Um, the temples weren't super crowded back then. Uh, when you walked around Top Prom, which is the Tomb Raider temple, it was still very Tomb Raider. Um, the thing to do for sunset was to climb up the side of Angkor Wat. And mm. people sat on top of Angkor Wat and really? watched the sunset from on top of the temple. Oh, wow. Um, now... 
the entire experience from 2001 is so different from what it's like today. Um, first, obviously, the crowds are, are so much greater now. Um, but I think it's probably a, a good thing that they don't let you climb up top of Angkor Wat anymore. Yeah, you know? that's probably Like now everybody goes to the Bakang to watch the sunset. Which is a little pond of water, yeah? No, the Bakang is the temple on the hill oh, that, yeah, that looks sorry, down right. at Angkor Wat. And right. looks down, yeah. Um, you know, and, and they've created these like, quote unquote, way of visit. Yeah, there's like signage. Sure, like, yeah, yeah. And, and when you go to Top Prom, there's these wooden walkways that you have to follow along, you know. And, and it can be annoying because you go to Top Prom at like 10 a.m. and there's 5,000 people there already and you have to follow the, the walkways. Um, but ultimately, that's probably a better thing. You know, like the temples are going to be preserved better if people aren't yeah. climbing all over them. Kind of take an ass kicking with thousands of people climbing all over them. Yeah. I mean, they even worry about like the just the, the boom, 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 boom footsteps of, of thousands and thousands and thousands oh, of people yeah, yeah, like yeah. walking on the temple. Adds up to know? millions over the year. Um, we talked about getting to like Kalk Kay or Bangmelia. Um, it's easier to get to the remote temples nowadays. Yeah, yeah. You know? A sealed um, road can be a good thing. Yeah. Um, but I'd say like 2010 was probably the peak for that because now like Bangmelia like is is crowded. There's tour buses out there. Pretty busy, yeah. You know, um, but again, like there's more options to getting to the temples. There's electric bicycles now to get out there. Yeah. Um, the Bapuan Temple is finally reconstructed, and, yeah. and you can visit it. Um, they changed the nature of the passes. So before, if you bought a three day passes, you had to use it three consecutive days. Oh yeah. Now that's it's right. three you don't have to do up that. seven days. Or oh, seven. that's right. That's yeah, that awesome. Is a benefit. Yeah. You know? And then uh, Siem Reap Town like has developed like it's it's grown so much. At, at one point, the population grew thirty percent year on year. Come on, yeah, wow. And so there's so many restaurants and bars and and things to do, and and that's been great for the local economy. You yeah. know, like compared to Phnom Penh, where there's lots of like you know beggars and stuff like that. Um, Siem Reap doesn't have that because th there's jobs being created and, yeah, and people are, are getting economic opportunity. Obviously, there's problems with the water table. Maybe there's not enough water for a modern city for all of those showers. Details, and, details. Yeah, no, yeah. And, and there is an impact of the of the like the aquifer beneath the temples and, sure. and sucking all that water off it and making the land unstable and stuff like that. But all in all, I think that Siem Reap and Angkor have changed for the better over the past uh, 15 years. Yeah, I mean, I'll go with you on that thinking from a traveler's perspective for the most part. Like now, definitely you go to those temples and there are multi-million, there's millions of people going to Siem mm. Reap and the temples every year. So absolutely, if you went 10 years ago compared to now, you'd be like, oh, I went there and there was no one at the temple. It was yet almost to yourself. And yeah, that is an incredible experience. That said, like the Colosseum in Rome is now very busy. The Acropolis is very busy. Like... People go places and they go to things. So yes, they're busy. But if you're a little more creative, pick certain times of day to go to certain temples. Right. Hey, like... Go during the monsoon season. I yeah, think it's great. It's it's bloody incredible. It is awesome. Um, and in many ways, I think the growth in Siem Reap from a, a selfish tourist perspective is great. Yeah. There's so many neat, eclectic shops, be it souvenirs or clothing or home decor. And a lot of those are social enterprises that benefit yeah. the community and stuff like that. So I think like... Amazingly, Siem Reap and Angkor has, has, is a success story in many ways. Yeah, and the dining too, for me. Like people say, it's Cambodia, it doesn't matter if Phnom Penh or yeah. Siem Reap. Like it's awesome. Like in Siem Reap, you could pretty much any kind of food from like literally North Korean to Japanese, like you can get 
it all. It's, mm. So it's quite a fun place, A, historically, but also just for living it up, too. Yeah. And I, maybe we're missing some negative consequences of we're this not type of development and stuff it. like that. Yeah, we don't yeah. Wanna, No, but, I, you know, and I'm sure there are some problems. Um, but again, we talked about crime when we did Tokyo a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Cambodia is a place where, like Phnom Penh, the crime is, is horrific, right? But in Siem Reap, it's, it's quite safe. And I think it's because of the benefits of tourism and, and generally good tourism development management. Yeah, this is the non-haters episode where yeah. we're, we can say a little bit <laughs> of negative, but we're going to try and keep it positive. Um, so the next one, though, we, we have a little bit of a different opinion on. Scott, why don't you tell us about Luang Prabang? Yeah, my uh, Luang Prabang Lao experience is kind of only two visits, really. I went there mm. first. Uh, I moved to Asia to live and work in 1999. In early 2000, I ended up going with two friends via a very slow boat from Shenkong in the north uh, west corner of Thailand, crossing into Hoi Sai and Lao, took a sleepy two-day journey down the Mekong to Luang Prabang. I mean, as I remembered it, all the roads were dirt, hotels were super basic, it was all like geared at backpackers, in, or electricity went out at times, super mm. sleepy, just seemed like backpackers only kind of place. And then I went back in 2012 to update uh, the Groovy Map, which is a guide map to do an update for that. So we're talking 12 years between visits and the town had really developed. I mean, most of the little roads in town are all paved. So Luang Prabang is a, a larger little town, but where everyone goes, a peninsula, everything's kind of out in a peninsula for listeners that haven't been. And um, every little wooden building was now like offering gourmet coffee or pastries or souvenirs mm -hmm. or neat clothes, restaurants, massage, things that tourists like. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in some ways, like little paved roads are kind of nice because dust in the air all the time in the dry season kind of sucks. Um, there were higher end hotels like now you had high end tourists coming in. There's, you know, some really high end like thousand dollar a night plus kind of hotels, which which change things a bit. But you know what? In many ways, like it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, Luang Prabang. And it's just this collection of, you know, some old, old temples that are gorgeous. But the buildings are all kind of wood and they really have been kept traditional and preserved. And in many ways, I think if that had not been declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site and tourists went there, the money wouldn't have been such that it would have justified not tearing down the old wooden building and building a concrete one because mm. a lot of in, in southeast asia like in or asia you can't really fault people they like oh this old wooden house sucks like let's get one of those nice modern concrete ones with the tin roof right that uh, that beats the weather better so there's been the tourist money to kind of maintain all these wooden cultural buildings which i think you know had it not been a tourist thing it wouldn't look like it is more and and i still thought it was kind of a nice place to spend a few days but very touristy and well-heeled tourists mm. too yeah you know I, I agree that it helps that unesco is involved um and even the the communist lao government which very strictly controls almost anything that happens in, in the country mm. has probably been a benefit but this is a really hard one for me i i used to spend a lot of time in long prabang i'd go there for a month at a time almost every year um and i considered moving to long prabang on a number of occasions yeah i remember that um, so even 10 years ago, I was really worried about how increasing tourism was going to affect it. Um, my friend Derek, who lived there, who was the founder of the Utopia Bar. Yeah, right, right. Um, and Rob runs it now. Yeah, he was trying to convince me that if I moved there, I could be an agent of good change, trying to help combat, you know, <laughs> yeah, like he's like, you know, if you're worried about how Long Prabang is going to change, he's like, then work to make the change good. But even back then, my greatest fear was that what happened to Siem Reap would happen to Luang Prabang. 
Right. Now, like, you know, it's fine that Siem Reap has become this, it, it's almost like New Orleans or Bourbon Street or it's these really cool. It like, is kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I call it kind of Disneyfication. It's like Disney, like tourist town and stuff like that. It definitely and, is. And that's fine in Siem Reap because the attraction is not Siem Reap. The, the attraction is the Angkor Temples. Right, but, but right, the Wrong right. Prabang itself is the attraction, and and I was very worried that like as more and more and more tourists showed up, and what happened is all the local people sold their houses yeah, yeah, yeah. to like developers or people from Vientiane or you wealthy know, who, people who, were yeah, running it as a business, and then and then they turned it into businesses, and all those people moved out of town, and then the the soul of Luang Prabang would die, you know. So like over the first seven or eight years that I was there, let's say 2001 to 2010 even, like I felt that development was still fairly on the right track. Like you were saying, UNESCO yeah, and, yeah. and the Lao government. But now that AirAsia connects Bangkok to Luang Prabang and, and the tourism numbers, even from like China and stuff like that, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. Like I'm afraid to go back. I don't know that I could go back because I'm afraid. That... How long ago was your last visit? I went with my friend Veronica. I don't know. I don't know, maybe five, five or five or six yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, discount airlines, budget airlines in the region certainly opened destinations up because it used to be hard to get to Luang Prabang. You could only fly with Bangkok Airways, and that was one Super of the most expensive. expensive flights. It's still yeah. an expensive route, relative-ish. So yeah, I mean, you have to take a drive like eight to ten hours from Vientiane, or you have to come down by fast boat, which is still even like ten harrowing hours, like skirting rocks and stuff. So. Yeah, these flights certainly make it easier. Yeah, it's definitely changed. It's it's going to be changed. I agree with the Disneyification thing in a way. Like, you're looking at almost like a snapshot of life. Like, there's not really people living there anymore. There are some. Yeah. But it's like this is what the buildings look like. This is what the scene looked like, and tourists have adjusted what's being sold and done in that little peninsula. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of for it in a way because I I don't. Yeah, who knows, man. Like, it's, it's a museum. A like, it's a UNESCO museum it is of a, Luang Prabang, probably, yeah, it, it than, is a than, museum. than it is Luang Prabang. Yeah, it is It is Luang Prabang. So, again, talk to someone 10 years ago. They were like, oh, man, it was so great then. It's still gorgeous. It's such a beautiful yeah, place. Is. And the Lao people are wonderful. And really, like, what I've always felt was special about Laos was the people, not even, like, some old building, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, it's like the sleepier Thailand. Yeah, but the people, yeah, they're, they're, they're so wonderful. So, like, hopefully the soul of Luang Prabang is still intact. Yeah, well, hey, man, that just flew by. We talked about four areas, and I think the moral was, if you haven't been, you've blown it. <laughs> yeah, no, you might as well stay home. Hey, no, suckers, no. don't bother traveling. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think we focused on some of the good. And I kind of wonder how long new places will stay, how long till there's no more new places to go, right? Like, the world is still a bigger place, but as there's more and more travelers, we push just a little further and a little more remote. Like, what time is there now no longer any more cool places to I don't know. You know, that was one of the cool things that I always enjoyed about being a travel writer was trying to discover or explore or find the new places. And then I always felt guilty about the fact that, like, all right, now I'm going to tell people about this place and then it's going to be ruined, you know? Mm. Um, Thanks, Trevor, for ruining it. No, you know, but, like, <laughs> and, and I talked to people as a travel writer and, and some people were like, you know what, we're happy with the things we're happy with the way things are please don't talk about us we we like our quiet little village in you know wherever cambodia yeah um you know and then there's places like payam mm. which they're calling like the samui of 25 years ago you yeah. know um which it really is and, it, and it's beautiful um and again and will payam in 25 years be krabi or will it be samui we don't know you know it, yeah it, it depends really well 
I don't know. There's never a right time. I think the right time to travel is when you can. And your snapshot of it, your experience of it is when you go. And I don't even, don't even care, compare it to other people's time or story, maybe. No, you know, and again, like we were saying with some of these places, things change for the bad in some ways and they change for the good in, in other ways. Um, but you know, I, I like this episode and I think we should do a sequel at some point to talk about yeah. some of the other destinations. Because, yeah. you know, like that's one of the cool things about living in the region is, you know, you go to a city even once a year, it changes a lot. If you go someplace once every sure two can. years, it, it changes even more. Yeah, know? in some places more than others. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting. There's so many like social and economic reasons that things mm. change and good and bad. But yeah, this was a good episode, man. I enjoyed this. So uh, we'll be back with something new in just two weeks. So do come back. There's a whole catalog now of episodes. I mean, we're... Uh, well, we're well over 50, so go back and, and listen to some other ones, too. Yeah, go to www.talktravelasia.com, yeah. and we have uh, pretty comprehensive show notes. Lots of times we have Google Maps uh, yeah. of the things that we talk about. We have photo galleries on our Facebook Links page. Links to topics. Um, super interactive. Yeah, cool. All right, well, we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, Trevor, well done. Thanks, Scott. All right, everyone. Let's go get a beer. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall in Angkor Thom and Cambodia?